Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he told the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. very much for reading uh, and welcome everyone if you've joined us since we um, began may I add my welcome to Claire's uh, it's great to see you here my name is Mark Harris I serve as chaplain to the Christians in Parliament group if we haven't met before let me pray before I begin almighty God our father we thank you for this opportunity to gather together in the middle of a, a busy day here in Parliament we pray that you uh, quieten our hearts, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, we pray, what you would say to us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, back in 1992, if you can remember back that far, the magician Paul Daniels caused some controversy in the tabloid media when he opined that Jesus Christ was nothing more than a magician, 
and then for good measure compared himself favorably with Jesus when he said, changing water into wine, easy. I've done that. Walk on water, no problem. Now, our focus this lunchtime, sorry, that wasn't very good Paul Daniels' impression, I was sort of half-hearted. Um, our focus this, this, this lunchtime is who is Jesus? And I wonder what you would say in reply to that question. Is he just a talented magician, like Paul Daniels uh, would say? Is he just a very good moral teacher, along with many other religious teachers in history? Or is he someone much, much greater? Well, by the time we reach the end of these two extraordinary events recorded by Matthew today, the disciples, you'll see, worship Jesus as the Son of God. And I want us to see today why they worship him. And I've just got one point. It's Jesus is the rescuing God of Israel. And we'll look at both of those miracles. And to understand them rightly, we need to remember how miracles in the Gospels work. They're never just gratuitous displays of power uh, by Jesus to get people to believe that he's some kind of superhero with spectacular powers. If that was the case, you know, you might expect to see him looping the loop above the Sea of Galilee like <coughs> Superman and um, blowing up mountains or picking up trees and dropping them a lake, doing those kind of things that you see in superhero films. But no, the miracles are always signs, themselves loaded with meaning, pointing to who he is and what he came to do. So with that in mind, it's very important that we know at the outside that these two miracles were done amongst Israelites in Israelite territory. So let's start with the feeding of the 5,000. It's so familiar to us. Um, and if you're anything like me, I have a sort of English, a really nice English version of it in my head. Everybody's sitting down on the grass with their nice Waitrose hampers and sort of red and white, um, red and white checked sort of um, picnic rugs, etc. But actually, it's a far more, uh, it's a rather more uncomfortable and desperate situation than, than this. Verse 13 <coughs> tells us that it's a desolate place uh, on the northeastern side the Sea of uh, Galilee. We find that out from Luke's account. And thousands of people have travelled a long way to get here. Uh, it's, it's specified as 5,000 men, which uh, when you include women and children, it could be up to 20,000 people. It's a really big scene. And these people are desperate to hear what Jesus says and, and to seek healing. And they're also seeking hope for deliverance from the political oppressors that they're uh, under, under Rome. They're tired and they're hungry. And it's the end of the day, verse 15, and the disciples make the quite reasonable suggestion that Jesus send the, wet, the crowd away to go and get food in the surrounding villages. But Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. Uh, and uh, the other gospel writers add here that they go and make a search and they find five loaves and two fishes. And the stage is now set for this miraculous multiplication of loaves and fish fishes. Or is it just a magic trick? If you search online uh, at the moment for, with the phrase multiplication of fishes, as I did, you can find videos of magicians reproducing uh, magic tricks and reproducing lots of fishes out of apparently empty buckets. And then next to these videos on YouTube, you then have lots of other videos from spoil sports out there basically explaining how the magic trick 
is done. It's really brilliant, actually. I thoroughly commend it to you if you're a bit bored, bored this afternoon. Um, they basically use these buckets with mirrors inside them, with secret compartments, and that sort of drops fish out. And then there's very clever edit video ed editing techniques that take place afterwards. So perhaps Jesus was just a very skillful magician. Well, just think about it for a moment. To produce bread and fish to feed up to 20,000 people and to have 12 baskets of leftovers, you would have needed quite some supply of magic buckets and, and fish and bread and secret <coughs> compartments, etc., to produce that kind of effect. No, the Gospel writers are really clear. These, this is a supernatural event on a very grand scale. And the sheer fact of it... Uh, at least shows that Jesus is, is empowered by God in some extraordinary way, or perhaps he's actually God himself. And there's more significance in the actual miracle itself that points to him being the same God who rescues his people in the Old Testament. Now, the central moment uh, of God's rescue of his people Israel in the Old Testament is the Exodus, when he brings his people out of Egypt to a land that he is giving them. And the typical Israelite was steeped in this whole narrative, in daily prayers, um, in weekly Sabbath, uh, the annual festivals of Tabernacles and Passover, uh, the, and the feeding of the great multitude uh, of people with the manna in the desert was one of the key moments in this great rescue. Thus, to an Israelite present at the feeding itself, or one reading this account a few years later in Matthew's Gospel, it would have been very natural to make a link between God abundantly feeding his people in the desert in Exodus and Jesus abundantly feeding this crowd out in a desolate place. And this connection gets even stronger when you notice verse 20, the number of baskets of leftovers. It's a very specific number that gets mentioned, 12. And 12 is the number of the tribes of Israel. Two chapters on from this in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew 16, Jesus comes back to this whole episode when he's explaining the meaning of this feeding, and he makes specific reference to the fact that it's 12 baskets left over. He's wanting to leave them in no doubt that Jesus is the rescuing God of Israel. But he hasn't finished making this point because he's about to give the disciples a further demonstration. So after he dismisses the crowd in verse 24, you'll see... He sends his disciples off on a boat to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and then he withdraws on his own to pray. And then, in verse 25, he walks out on the water to them. And when they see him, I mean, unsurprisingly, they, they're petrified. People don't walk in on water. They think he's a ghost. As with the feeding, there is the fact of the miracle itself. It's, it's undeniably supernatural. People do not walk on water. Now let me tell you quickly about Stephen Frame. He is an English magician whose performing name is Dynamo. You may have seen uh, his TV series. And on 25th of June 2011, very near to here, he pulled off a great marketing stunt for the launch of his uh, TV series, Magician Impossible. And he walked a certain distance across the Thames uh, from, from, the, from the south side of the Thames, uh, across from Parliament. Or did he? So again, you can look at it on YouTube. It's fairly entertaining to watch. So he's filmed walking along the embankment, then he goes down a staircase, steps out onto a pontoon, and then starts walking uh, across the water. And you can see his 
bottoms of his trousers getting a bit wet, and, and then the cameraman is basically filming lots of people gathering on Westminster Bridge, and you know, they're sort of ama amazed looks. It's, a really, it's really great to see people's jaws dropping. And then he gets about, about a quarter of the way across the river, and then a police boat comes along, and basically then hauls him out of the water and takes him away. Now, and again, as you can imagine, this has been much analysed by the magic geeks out there on the internet as to how he pulled it off. And uh, just so you don't think about it for the rest of the sermon, I'll tell you quickly. So the general consensus is, is that a plexiglass, a clear plexiglass platform, um, was put in place the night before in the water there so that you could walk along the platform and uh, the apparent policemen in the boat pick him up uh, are actors who, who whisk him away once he gets to the end of his walkway. So it's a very impressive trick and um, some people would say that this is what Jesus did. So actually he was walking along a, a strategically placed sandbar out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. But there's a few, um, there's a few problems uh, about this. Um, the Gospel writer John is, is very explicit about how far he gets out. He's five kilometres out across the Sea of Galilee uh, when he comes across the disciples. It's an undeniable uh, supernatural act. It's, again, it's either someone empowered by God or God himself. But again, it's when we look at the significance of the miracle we're guided more specifically to identify him as, as God. So just as God rescued his people uh, with the manna in the desert, as part of the Exodus rescue, he brought his people through the waters of the Red Sea. He held the waters of the Red Sea back. And when they eventually entered the promised land, he held back the waters of the River Jordan. So again, there's that very heavy connection between Jesus controlling, having control over the waters here and God having control over the waters in his rescue of his people. But just to make it hit home even more, verse 27, there are three small but highly significant words there that Jesus uses when he says hello to his disciples. And he uses this expression, it is I. Now, in the Greek, that is ego eimi, which literally means I am. It's the Greek translation of how God announces himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, at the burning bush. God announces himself to Moses as, I am. And these are exactly the same words being used by, that Jesus is taking onto his own lips here. Let's come to the response of the disciples in 28 to 33. Uh, it gives, this, all this gives Peter enough confidence to actually get out of the boat and start walking towards Jesus. Uh, before, and it almost happens before he sinks down and Jesus needs to rescue him. And these disciples had quite a, quite a 24 hours. They've seen enough in verse 33 to worship him as the Son of God. And this title, Son of God, is applied to various different figures in the Bible, particularly kings in the Old Testament. But in Matthew's Gospel, when it's applied to Jesus, it has a clearly divine meaning to it, and in the end of his trial, at the end of the gospel, uh, when he accepts the title Son of God, the chief priest cries blasphemy, and that is uh, what he is convicted for in the end, claiming to be God with that title. So the disciples, they've seen enough of Jesus in these two miracles to worship him as the Son of God, 
And so the obvious question really is to put to us here, 2,000 years later, you know, who do we say Jesus is? If you would describe yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ already, is, is the Jesus you follow the same Jesus as we see here in the Gospels? Because if I'm, if I'm honest, I very easily slip into following a Jesus, that sort of nice idea that I have in my head of a gentle Jesus, meek and mild, who's an inspiring teacher, uh, doesn't, doesn't say anything too uncomfortable to me. And he's kind of comforting to believe in. But the Jesus we've seen here in, this, in, in these two miracles in this passage is just much, much more than that. He miraculously feeds vast numbers of people. He exercises total control over the waters and rescues his people. He's declaring himself as the same almighty God of the Old Testament. So is the Jesus you follow the unthreatening human exemplar or the almighty divine rescuer? But perhaps you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and, um, and you're still thinking. I wonder what you would say at the, at the moment. Perhaps if you were to wander around Parliament this afternoon and ask people who they think Jesus is, a very common answer would be he's a good moral teacher. He can inspire, to, uh, he can inspire us to lead good, lead good lives of self-sacrificial love. But you know, even on the evidence of what we've seen here in these passages, is this really a credible summary of who this Jesus is? We've seen him feed this vast crowd. We've seen him walk across the water. And after these signs, he, he receives the worship of the disciples. A man who's just a good moral teacher cannot do these things, and he certainly doesn't accept people's worship. That would be outrageous and blasphemous. And for the same reasons, we can't put him just in the category of a really brilliant magician, as Paul Daniels would, would have us think. And finally, perhaps people might say, well, they're just really nice, mythical, magical stories that have been made up by the disciples uh, you know, many decades after Jesus died. But just consider for a moment this feeding, the account of this feeding. 20,000 people are recorded uh, as having been there. And this gospel account was written down within 40 years of these events happening. So there are plenty of eyewitnesses still around to cross-examine and to check out, just to really hear whether this really did take place. It's not as if it took place in private. It was a very public event. So the question I want to leave you with, if you're in that category, is, is it time that you, you took a second look at who Jesus is and follow the evidence where it leads? And if you'd like to do that, please come and talk to me afterwards. I'd be delighted to talk more, or, or, or Claire or Alison. And keep coming back uh, on a Tuesday as we continue to look at who Jesus is from the Gospel accounts. But as I close, let's pray together. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that in the feeding of the multitude and the walking on the water, your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, revealed himself to be the God who is powerful to rescue his people. 
we ask you please forgive us when we have far too small an idea of who Jesus really is. Please open our eyes to see his glory as the creator of the world and the rescuer of your people. Please humble us to worship him rightly. For we ask it in his powerful name. Amen.